You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, Merry Christmas! How's everybody doing? Good. Well, my name is Bill Vecchio. I'm the lead pastor here at Fort Myers Community Church, and we just want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us for Christmas Eve. Um, Christmas brings such uh, an amount of joy and delight and fun. Uh, We love doing the holiday things. We love family and food and friends and gifts and putting up Christmas decorations. How many of you have more than four Tupperwares of Christmas decorations in your house? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. More than five? More than eight? More than ten? All right, you guys get the award. The last service, they were like, they were done at 10. So, man, like, we get to put these things up. The husbands dread it. The wives love it. It's just fantastic. And also, with this season, there is a level of stress that comes with it. In fact, studies show that stress and anxiety and depression skyrocket during this holiday season. I was uh, doing some research. I saw a study where it says that 16% of people would prefer doing their tax return than celebrating a family Christmas. And that 26% of people say that it's more draining than a job interview. Why? Because we are so stressed out with sending Christmas cards and making food, keeping up with last year, I mean, that's a big one. I don't know if, about you, but like you do something really fun and exciting one year, but then the next year you feel like you have to do it again and a little bit better. And the next year, a little bit better. Next year, a little bit better. And then if you have a bad year, then you just like, it just ruins everything. And then you have to fight in the stores with all of these people and they're mean and you're not normally mean, but you get a little aggressive and it just is a mess. And, and then there's being around family people whom we love, and people that annoy us. Anxious. Because we still have to leave this place and go shopping. Come on, admit it. Who saw us go shopping? Yeah, okay, we got a couple of you. Um, And so you're already thinking, you're you're already, your mind's already racing of like which store you gotta go to next and what you're gonna have to deal with. Unrest and anxiety Rise and peace is really hard to come by in this season. But let's be honest. We've created this. I mean, we've substituted this celebration of God being with us, God coming down to be with us and create relationship with us. And instead, we've turned it into a religious practice of the holidays and put all of these parameters around what this has to look like. And most of those things aren't centered and focused around Jesus. We've, we've lost the reason why the world stops. This isn't just an American holiday. The world stops to remember this moment. And it's not because of a jolly old man in a red suit. They stopped to remember because there was something that happened 
that we need to remember and understand and celebrate the arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Christmas is the celebration of Jesus, who by faith brings all people faith, hope, love, joy, and peace. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story in Scripture. This is an actual testimony of some shepherds. This was their story, their uh, testimony of how they came to meet and know Jesus. See, they received an invitation, and they responded to that invitation to experience peace. So I would love to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into a place and to pause our busy lives and the chaos of the holiday season and remember the whole reason why it's even called Christmas. That you have come to restore relationship with us. And so, Lord, I pray as we sit that we wouldn't sit just thinking that it's another Christmas Eve service, but that we would hear a fresh word through the power of your Holy Spirit and that it would transform our lives to be more like you and to know you more. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. And so there's three parts of peace that Jesus brings to us on Christmas Day. And here's the first part that we're going to see here in Luke 2, 8 through 20 is there is a call of peace that is upon us as we are sitting here today. Look at verse 8 with me. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. This is an announcement, an invitation. All of us at some point in our lives have received some sort of invitation. Whether someone says, hey, do you want to go see a movie? Or you want to come over for dinner? You want to go out to lunch? Or even just to an event, a wedding, a celebration, something. And in an invitation, there's usually at least a good one, a who, what, when, where, why, and how. Right? It's not really a good invitation if you don't know what you're doing, where you're going, when you're going there. So in an invitation, there is a who, what, when, where, why, and how. And so we see that in this invitation here to these shepherds. First, who? Who is invited? And what does it say? It says, all people. All people. Now, it's interesting because we read that, but somehow our mind, I don't know if it's anything, like if your mind's anything like my mind, but we begin to make exceptions to the rule. One, I think we make exceptions for ourselves. We think that we've done enough bad things in our life that this invitation doesn't apply to us. I was speaking to somebody at Starbucks this week, and they said, uh, if I walked into your building, lightning would strike. 
They have this feeling or this sense of I've done too much, I've, I've been so bad, you don't know me, and I can't even go to church because I am such a bad person. So they've made an exception for themselves to the all people, to the invitation. But not only that, we make exceptions for people we know, people that we don't like, people that have hurt us. We even loop in the HOA president in that whole spiel. Why? Because there are people that make our life hard, and all of a sudden we think that they're the exception to the rule. I know God's word says all people, but he must not mean them. But in God's word, the invitation from the angel is to all people. Something that we have to understand here is that the shepherds prove the all people. Why do I say that? The shepherds were common. In their society, they would have been outcasts. They would have been low on the social and the economic ladder. They were not people that you would look at as as influencers of the given day. So the angel comes to them. Scripture, this whole book right here, is not a compilation of highly religious moral people. In fact, it is a book of forgiven failures. David, murderer. Moses, murderer. Abraham, liar. Like, there's so many stories in here that I think we forget are people that are broken, that have been forgiven by God. There is no exception to the all people. There is nobody in this room that sits here today that is not included to this invitation to experience the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what is this invitation? What is the what? Well, it is good news of great joy for all people. This is not a message of doom and gloom. I think often when we're thinking of this good news, we're thinking of this like list of do's and don'ts. We're thinking of, you know, oh, the Bible is a religion and it's all about the things that we're allowed to do and the things that we're not allowed to do. That's not what this is. This whole book is the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament points to Jesus. It's about a person. Now that person knows because he created you what is best for you. And so when he says, do this, he knows that that this is going to bring you life. And then he says, don't do this. And he says that because he knows it will only bring you death and destruction and brokenness in your life. And so it's not this morality game or this religious practice, but actually it's an invitation into a relationship, which is good news of great joy for all people. It's an invitation to meet and know a person. And who is this person? A savior. And it's also the Lord. Now, a Savior forgives us, right? That's a Savior saves us from brokenness and hurt and pain. That's what a Savior does. It's, it's not just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's someone who saves us in our brokenness. But then there's this word that's used here, Christ the Lord. This means king. This means ruler. This means authority. Someone who is above every king. Someone who is above every Lord. This is, this is a big deal because we are being invited By God, an invitation to meet and experience the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, just like these shepherds. The when, it says it's today. The where, in the city of David. And then there's the why. The why is because 
without this king, without this savior, there will never be peace. We will never experience the fullness of peace without this savior, without this Lord. And this was not a random idea for these shepherds. Can I just for a moment just help you understand the context? These are people that are sitting out in a field watching over uh, a flock of sheep. They would have grown up hearing about a coming Messiah. And it wasn't just someone that said something in their day and age. There are 10 people We know them as prophets that over 1,500 years in different locations wrote about and spoke about a coming Messiah. And it wasn't like they had Instagram. Like, I think we know media, and so we think it was on Fox News or CNN, or we thought it was, like, posted by some influencer, and so they just knew about it, and so people just kept writing, reposting, right? They just kept reposting. That's not the case here. Right? So what we would have seen in that day is 10 different people over the span of 1,500 years in all different locations, God meeting with those people and telling them to write about and talk about this king. Here's some of the things that were said and that the shepherds would have heard about as they were growing up. There was going to be born a savior king, born in Bethlehem to a virgin in the lineage of David, called Emmanuel, God with us. This blows my mind. The level of detail that God went to over the span of 1,500 years in all different places to help us see and realize that this is not a hoax. This is not a story that has just blown out of proportion over generations This is a compilation of many letters and many books and many things over the course of years and years and years, over 40 authors in this book that we hold, that holds to a 99.5% accuracy rate. And that 0.5%, it doesn't change any of the truths found in here. It's just nuances and little different words. Nowhere in history do we have anything like that. The next thing that's on the docket is, I think, the Iliad by uh, Caesar or whoever that's by, Homer. Um, And it's like a a tenth less of the amount of uh, manuscripts that they could find. This is a big deal that people wrote about this and the shepherds would have heard this and they would have heard this call to peace and would have known that it wasn't an establishment of religion, but an invitation to experience a relationship with a person. So then we get to the how. How do we do this? Because I think often we come to church and we hear about a relationship with God or a relationship with Jesus, and then we just want to ask, how? How does this work? How how do we do this? Well, here's the circumstance of peace. Look at verse 8. There are shepherds in a field watching a flock by night. The circumstances for these shepherds, it was bleak. Like this was not a cushy job for these shepherds. Like this would have been a very dangerous job. I mean, they were in essence watching over a whole field of food for all types of people and animals. 
Like they had to be on guard at all times for different predators to come in, including humans, to try to steal these sheep from them. This was a dangerous job. They were sleeping out in a field in the filth with these dirty sheep. They were not clean sheep. They were dirty, and they had to be in the midst of them. And they were not smart sheep either. This wasn't an easy job. You're a manager at some kind of business right now, and you think that your employees are bad. Like, these sheep were not the easiest to wrangle. So their circumstance was bleak. And they didn't have hope or aspirations for anything better. And then the angel appears and extends an invitation to meet the Savior with no promise of a change in their circumstances. I want us to understand this because this is a big deal. Because often we hear sometimes, even from a platform just like this and churches just like this, that if you believe in this Savior, Lord, this King, that all of your circumstances are going to change. In fact, that's not the case. These shepherds weren't expecting a change in their circumstances. They knew they were going to meet the Savior and come back to be a shepherd. They weren't aspiring to a different job or a different financial status after they went to meet the Savior. But if you're anything like me, life can, can be a roller coaster. If you've experienced life in a similar way, life is somewhat crazy and circumstances change all the time. And in fact, I think most of the people in this room, we try to change our circumstances. We try hard to make them better. I, th I just think of uh, the beginning of 2020. I mean, my portfolio was rocking. I do real estate for a living, and my real estate business was thriving. Uh, my wife and I, we had planned for our anniversary uh, a trip to the Magnolia Silos. That's like Chip and Joanna Gaines. We were going out there. We were going to go on vacation together in March, and we were really excited about that trip for our 12th anniversary. My kids were in school, and they were enjoying it and having fun. And then, bam, February 2020 hits. World shuts down. And then you've got 2022. Everything is kind of picking back up, and, and things are going well here in Southwest Florida. Um, I, I just think of like that season of life. Our church was growing. The, our, my, our family was doing well. Uh, we were actually getting ready to take a trip uh, for my birthday to Cancun, uh, right? We're trying to plan these trips and these vacations to go on and get some time away with just my wife and I. And then, bam, September 28th hits. Ian, Hurricane Ian. And it shuts everything down again. We want to control our circumstances, but life happens. And we can't, any control freaks? Anybody here would admit that they're a control freak? We try so hard, but we can't control everything. We can't control our circumstances. Now look at these shepherds. God meets them in their circumstances right where they were. Whatever brokenness, whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever grief, whatever discontentment they were experiencing, he came to them. Please, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. No matter how you came into here this morning, no matter what type of brokenness you've experienced in relationship, no matter how you've been hurt, no matter what addiction you are facing, no matter what your financial status is, God meets you where you are. And often, we play this game 
Because one, we think we have to earn his favor and we can never do that. See, God didn't come to these shepherds because they deserved it. In fact, he was the one in this passage that declares them deserving. Look at verse 14. Peace among those whom he is pleased. He's the one who declared them pleasing. And it wasn't what they did or didn't do. The question of invitation that God gives them wasn't because of their circumstances or how they acted. But I know for me that that we can become excuse makers. God, I'll listen to your invitation when, and then fill in the blank, right? I'm older, I'm richer, I'm wiser, I'm less busy. Or maybe when I learn more about this and I can kind of figure it all out, then I will listen to your invitation. We make excuses. It's, it's tomorrow. I'll, anybody going on a diet on the new year? Right? Anybody starting their diet tomorrow? No, that's Christmas Day. You don't do that. Right? We, we, we are excuse makers. We always push it off and push it off and push it off. And not only are we excuse makers, but we're also very self-serving. At least I know I am. God, I'll do what you ask when you give me health, wealth, happiness, the relationship that I've been asking you for. We put all of these conditions on when we're going to go respond to the invitation that God gives all people. And we fail to remember that it is good news of great joy and it is in our circumstances right where we are today that he meets us. The shepherds, they drop everything. Like, they don't think about it. It says in haste, meaning they go right away. They heard the invitation to meet the Savior, and they ran. Why? Because peace is not found in the absence of conflict, but in the presence of something better, a Savior, a King, who is Christ the Lord. So we're like the shepherds, broken, unfit, and underqualified. And God meets us right where we are, here and now. So there's the call to peace and the circumstances of peace, and that leads us into the celebration of peace. Look at verse 18 with me. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So they go and they declare to Mary and Joseph and everybody along the way that, that God had come to meet them and tell them that the Savior has been born. And they share these things with them and everyone who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned to a new life, a new job, a new car. No, they returned exactly where they were to their place, their circumstances, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told. They heard the good news, they met him, and they left celebrating what God has done. This is our invitation. This is our response to know Jesus and share him with the world. I love that about 30 years later, Jesus in Mark 1.15 goes before a group of people and he starts telling them about what it means to be in relationship with him. And this is what he says. 
He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Do you know what he's talking about there? Himself. Not religion. Not uh, all these do's and don'ts. He's talking about himself. The kingdom of God has come near. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. This is not just good news for this season, this holiday season. This is good news for all of eternity. That, that the God of heaven, I, sometimes I can't even wrap my mind around this because I think about eternity and I, I can't understand it. I can't understand that eternity is just forever and ever in the past and forever and ever in the future. And I'm sitting inside of this timeline. I don't get it. But what I do know is what scripture says. And what scripture says is that Jesus existed in perfect harmony with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, being worshiped day and night by all of the heavenly beings. And he left that. Not to come down and be born of the most prestigious family on earth. Not to be born a prince in a palace and to have all of this stuff to kind of take over the government and create this one world order. That's not what happened. He left everything being worshipped day and night and being praised and sitting on a throne to be born in a stable to a family that had nothing to be laid in a place where they fed animals as his first crib, his first bassinet, to grow up, not to become again this great king that's in a palace, but to go to a cross so that you and I can have a relationship with him. This is the beauty of what we celebrate. Why we even stop to think about Jesus on Christmas Day. Because he loves us so much that he left everything, lived a life we couldn't live, so that you and I may have a relationship with him. And this is not just good news for those that are non-believers. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I wanna thank you so much for coming into this place I can't imagine how intimidating it would be to walk into a place where they're holding up a book and they're talking about this Messiah and this King and you've never heard this before, but you're brave enough and courageous enough to come in here and sit and partake in this. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I want you to know that there is a God who loves you and wants a relationship, that you are seen, that you are known, and that you are loved. But if you've been journeying with God for years, maybe even decades, can I say to you that this is not just good news for those that don't know it, but this is good news for all people. If you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, I, you, we need this. We need this good news of great joy. Every morning when I, my feet, right before my feet hit the ground, I need to stop and remember what God has done for me because that's the only way I'm going to experience peace. That's the only way I'm going to experience joy and love and hope is remembering that Christ came for me. This is not a one and done, partake in a service, go home and forget about it. No, this is a daily remembrance of who God is and what he has done for us. 
Because without Jesus at the center of everything that we do, as the foundation and as the structure of everything that we have, we will crumble and we will never experience peace. I love fixer-upper shows. Does anybody else like fixer-upper fixer upper, like Magnolia and Chip and uh, Joanna Gaines and all that stuff, HGTV type stuff? Well, what, what do we know about these fixer-upper shows? Is that when they're looking for a house to flip, the primary thing that they are looking for is what they call good bones. It needs a good foundation and a good structure. And so I, I was even looking up some of the things that Chip and Joanna Gaines did, and uh, it's going to come up on the screen. They, they found this castle. Um, I think it's like super cool and epic, like that they could find something like this. Um, and then they ended up turning it into something like this, which uh, is just awesome. Um, and one of the primary things that they're looking for is, is these, these, this structure, the bones. Like it has to be good. It has to be tight. Now, when you came in today, we played a video, and it talked about peace. And peace is this idea of completeness, wholeness that we experience when we are in relationship with God. And often, what we do is we try to manufacture a quick flip, meaning that the foundation is broken, the structure is broken, and what we try to do is we try to mask over it with all of this stuff. We try to put on this mask of prettiness. Uh, for houses down here, we use stucco. We use this stuff called stucco and we slather it all over the bricks and, and we try to kind of conceal and hide what's behind it. But, but this is what ends up happening. If the structure or the foundation is not set, what we end up seeing is this next picture that's going to come on up, is, is things will eventually break down. Things will eventually crumble. It doesn't matter how much we try to pretty it up, it will crumble because the structure and the foundation is not secure. Listen. If you're trying to live your life apart from Jesus, being the foundation, being the core, it will never work. Everything you can try to mask over the pain and the brokenness and the hurt and the habits and the addictions, everything you try to put into those holes and fill the gaps and try to pretty it up will crumble over time. Your marriage will, will break. Your relationship with your kids will break. Your, your finances will eventually leave you wanting more. I mean, there's no amount of boats and cars and toys and houses that we can get that will uh, satisfy our inner longings and desires because we were not created for those things. We were created for one purpose, and that one purpose is to have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we have to get the foundation right. We have to get the structure right. This isn't about attending church every Sunday. This isn't about religious practice. This is about a real, authentic relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So if you're sitting here today and you've never opened this, but you've gone to church your whole life, please get a Bible. We have them in the back on your way out and start reading it because God wants to speak to you directly. And if you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know who he is and what he's done for you. Because he loves you, and he wants that relationship. And so I'm going to invite Miguel to come back on up. Because I really want us to understand that Jesus is our peace. That we can't build our lives without him. And so my prayer for us in this time of life, because the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Like the shepherds, you too, believer and unbeliever alike, receive an invitation to lay aside your circumstances, whatever you're dealing with, and come meet the King of Kings 
and the Lord of Lords. I want to read this prayer over you, and then we're going to sing it over you. And it comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. I'm going to read this in the NIV. And I want you to receive this as a blessing over you. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are so many different stories in this room. Some people in this room are experiencing a really fruitful, good season, and others are experiencing hurt and pain and brokenness. No matter where we are, Lord, no matter what the circumstances are that surround us, I pray that we would receive the invitation through the power of your Holy Spirit, a stirring in our hearts and in our minds to come meet the King face to face. God, if there is anybody here that has not entered into a relationship with you, hasn't trusted you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that today is the day of salvation, that they would repent and believe and that they would find a church family that would surround them and disciple them to know who you are and what you've done for them. God, if there's someone here today that, that has come as a guest and, and maybe they just haven't been to church in a long time, I pray that they would find a church family that they could grow in their relationship with you. God, we lay all of our pain, our brokenness, our hurt, our insecurity, our hope, our dreams, we lay them all at your feet, Lord. And we pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us a peace that transcends our understanding, that is higher than our understanding. God, thank you for your word. And thank you for Jesus. May we remember all that you have done for us. You have called us. And I pray that we leave here and celebrate all that you are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.